This podcast episode is brought to you by Coors Light. These days, everything is go, go, go. It's nonstop hustle all the time. Work, friends, family expect you to be on 24-7. Well, sometimes you just need to reach for a Coors Light because it's made to chill. Coors Light is cold lagered, cold filtered, and cold packaged. It's as crisp and refreshing as the Colorado Rockies. It is literally made to chill. Coors Light is the one I choose when I need to unwind. So when you want to hit reset, reach for the beer that's made to chill. Get Coors Light in the new look delivered straight to your door with Drizzly or Instacart. Celebrate responsibly. Coors Brewing Company, Golden, Colorado. What is up, everybody? The Golden Edge Podcast, your first episode. We're going to get you started with a little look at the off-season recap. Uh, so much to talk about with the Golden Knights coming off a magical season. We're going into season two. This is the first true off-season in franchise history, so so much to get into. Adam Hill, Ben Goats. we are part of the coverage of the Review Journal, uh, with the Review Journal here of the Golden Knights. Looking forward to the season and kind of jumping in uh, to things here in the next couple of weeks, but right now, we're going to look at the off-season. Ben, how are you doing, man? Not too bad. How was your summer? Uh, you know, very busy, just like it was with the Golden Knights. You know, a lot of things going on, a lot of things happening. Some things I wanted to do that I didn't get to do, just like the Golden Knights. I guess some things that I wanted to do and I did get to do. So well, That's a pro segue. This is going to be a good yeah, podcast. That, that's, that's how it goes. So, uh, you know, like we said, we're going to be here with you, and we are we are covering the team this year. Dave Shane, certainly the uh, the main guy on the beat, and he'll be with us throughout the season as well, letting you guys know. Uh, what is going on with this team but hopefully we can kind of fill you in between stories and kind of dig deep into some of the uh, the finer stories that are going on with the team and and get into the the highlights and and really you know flesh some things out for you here uh, on the golden edge podcast so uh, that's we're going to try to shoot to do and maybe entertain you along the way as well a little bit Ben. I hope so you know (laughs) got to bring the flair got to keep the people coming back. Now you are you're kind of a hockey guy. Yeah, I'm from Minnesota. Everyone's a I hockey mean, guy up that's there. What, that's what I mean. I mean, just from, by the nature of being where you're, where you're from, you kind of got into. It. I mean, you don't look like a hockey guy. That's hurtful. Back in the well, I feel like we're like the, uh, you know, the old ice hockey game. You I might was be a an enforcer back in the day, good sir. Okay, well, you might be a little too young for the uh, the old ice hockey game. I don't know if you remember. You, you had to pick between three players. Mm-hmm. Um, do, do you remember this, or are you just nodding and oh like, yeah, pretending? just nodding nicely. Okay, we have to get you on. I'm this Minnesota game. nice. We have to get you on this game. It's great. You you had to fill out a lineup, and you got to pick either the really tall, lanky guy who was fast, but you would just knock him off his his path whenever and just take the puck from him. What about a tall, lanky guy that was slow? Because that's me. Just for the sake of argument, you're fast because you're the tall guy on the old ice hockey game. And then there also you could pick the really short, fat guy who really couldn't do much with the puck, but he he could control it. You couldn't really knock him off his path. And then there was like the medium guy that could do a little bit of everything. Like you, we've got to get you to see this game, so you know what I'm talking about here. I feel like that's what we are. Like you're the you're gonna be the, the tall, fast guy. Uh, I'll be the short, fat guy. Although I'm not really a short, but it fits the other way. And then we got Dave Shane as the medium guy. There you go. It's a perfect team. We're so we're, we are the old ice hockey game uh, on Nintendo, which you might not know about either. Uh, we'll, we'll we'll see. We'll teach you these lessons as we go throughout uh, the Golden Edge podcast. We're a well-rounded here. podcast. <laughs> we are. That is fair. So uh, let's jump right into it. The offseason was eventful, as we said. Not everything that they wanted to happen happened. Not 
you know, some weird things happened along the way. I think everybody knew there was going to be some players missing uh, when the second season started. Uh, some fan favorites certainly have gone, bringing in new players along the way. Uh, let's just kind of jump into a, a, a brief look at, you know, before we really dig deep into it, um, what did you think jumped out at you about the off? What jumped out to you about the offseason, I guess? Yeah, I would just say it's the flurry of moves that they made. Like you said, they extended Marc-Andre Fleury. They settled an arbitration or right before arbitration with William Carlson. They signed Paul Statsny. They extended Colin Miller and a bunch of other kind of their fringe core guys. And then some moves that they didn't make. They didn't trade for Eric Carlson from Ottawa despite persistent yet. rumors. Yet. yet. He's still available. He has not <laughs> been traded yet despite wonderful internet Twitter rumors. And a John Tavares who ended up going to Toronto – they actually ended up getting a meeting with him. It was r- rumored that maybe they could kind of convince him to come here in his big free agent tour, but he ultimately did not decide to even get up a meeting. Yeah, and I think that was a big thing. And, and um, I think the big question coming out of you know those things that you mentioned is are they a better team now than they were at the end of last season? And time will tell. Like, you know, just because it's on paper doesn't mean anything. We'll find out when they As we found out playing. last year. Yeah, exactly. Um, to me, they are not. They are worse now than they were at the end of the season. But that was going to happen anyway. I mean, even if they brought, just brought back the exact same team, they were not going to be as good. Last year, something happened. It was magical. Everything came together. Guys had career years. Even if you bring back the entire team, I think you're, you're worse now than you were at the end of last year. Uh, but I just think looking at the moves that were made, uh, you lose you know, Perron, which we'll get into. You lose uh, James Neal, which was a, certainly a leader and a guy that could score at any time. You bring in Paul Stastny. I, I just don't think you're as good on paper as you were at the end of last year for the Golden Knights. I think they're about as good. I would call a lot of what they did lateral moves. I don't think they're yeah. demonstrably better. I don't think they're demonstrably worse. The question I have, as you kind of alluded to, is staying the same actually going to make them worse because they had such unbelievable chemistry and team camaraderie last year, so you've kind of upset the balance there. Does that ultimately end up hurting them in the long run, or do they somehow stick it together and become better than their sum of the parts again? Yeah, and I, I think that'll be the big question You know, once they actually start taking the ice. is what, when, we, when we talk so much about the Golden Knights, we usually talk about you know the magic of everything coming together and how it was beyond anybody's expectation. So... Do you, I guess when you look at it, you have to say, can they have that magic ink? Can they bottle that up and use it again? Or is that a one-time thing? Usually in sports, it, you can't recreate that kind of thing. So, I mean, I, I would think right away, as you said, on paper, it looks like it's pretty lateral. But lateral is probably bad when everybody had career years. Absolutely. And as we said, now the reality starts to set in too. We just talked about guys getting extensions. Guys yeah. are getting paid. Guys are going to want to get paid down the road. So now this kind of stuff that they got to push aside last year of, hey, we're all just going to come together, play hockey, try to fight for spots and see what happens. Well, now the business side is coming in of, hey, I want to move up a line because I want to get paid when I'm a free agent. Hey, I want to be on the power play because I want those statistics that will help me in arbitration and later in free agency. So now these kind of cold reality things are hitting them in the face where before they got to kind of ignore that and just kind of skate by with whatever happened on the ice. Skate by, I like that. Yeah, that's good. Solid. That's, that's that's why you got that hockey knowledge. You grew up with that. The, the cold weather skate by. Don't you know? Kind of, use those kind of expressions. Uh, yeah, I, I think that's absolutely right. And if you want to, you know, if you want to look at it, it, just as you said, if you want to call them golden misfits, like they like everybody did last year, and everybody was everybody was cast off and nobody wanted them, and so now they had this you know second chance to prove themselves. Now they've proven themselves. Now they've got contracts. A lot of them. 
now they're you know they're more recognized they're paid everything else do you still have that same you know me against the world chip on your shoulder mentality like you would think so but it's hard to recreate that again it really is and especially with so much emotion there is going to be almost that adrenaline dump at the end of the year too of like you rode this wave and now do you get, can you find a way to build that back up and it's really really hard Absolutely. Now, all that being said, I still fully expect this team to be in the playoffs. There's no doubt in my mind that playoffs have to be the expectation this season or else general manager George McPhee has really screwed this up somehow. But the Western Conference is better, too. So I think it's going to be a tougher fight for this team to get in. And maybe they don't get win the division and get to host a lot of playoff games like they did before. I think they're going to have to scratch and claw a little bit more than they were used to last year where they didn't even lose four straight games until the Stanley Cup final. I mean, that is an insane run for an nhl team that you don't lose four in a row every team goes through that yep. except the golden knights apparently they are they are coming off the, the greatest season you could possibly imagine for a you know and and they are also on their longest losing streak in history entering this year which is really really weird to think about but that's that's the position they find themselves in uh, so that's that's kind of where they stand right now so we want to dig a little bit deeper into each of these specific moves and how it changes uh, but the first one, and, and I'm, I'm going I'm going off the board here. I know you know we, we have a plan of where we're going with today's uh, show, but I, I do want to hit on the Tavares thing because I think that was a big, big story in that I might be overblowing it, certainly possible, because nobody else is really giving it the importance that I am. But I thought one of the things about having a franchise in Las Vegas was going to be any guy that became available was going to want to come to Las Vegas or at least think about it or, you know, I might want to go play in Vegas, especially the way they had success, the way the fans embraced it, the way the taxes are set up here. I mean, that's another factor that people don't really think about. I thought for all those reasons, you were going to have, you know, every free agent say, I want to go play in Vegas and at least take meetings with Vegas and Tavares did not. Now, there's specific reasons why. He's a Toronto kid. He was probably always going there. For all these other, you know, for, for all the reasons that he went to Toronto, it all makes sense. Everything certainly adds up. But I do think there was a little bit of a red flag that he didn't really consider Vegas. He didn't really give a meeting like he did for other teams. He was he was kind of off the radar for, for Vegas, and part of that might have been they got a late start because they were in the finals, everything else. But I think that was concerning, and not really many people are talking about that. I am really shocked that he didn't at least consider them for all the reasons you said along with the fact that as we've talked about this was a Stanley Cup final team last year and they did actually upgrade their second line center position that's a place that they could convince John Tavares to go unless he's really set on being a first line guy and in case that case you have William Carlson there but I think he would be amenable to that and I get for all the reasons he chose Toronto as you said but I think if you're him you would at least consider taking a meeting with Las Vegas at least letting you know, them make their pitch to you and see what they have to say, see what they can tell you on. Maybe he still goes to, goes to Toronto because it's home, and they are also, I think, a ready-made final contender this year with Austin Matthews and the ridiculous group of forwards that they have. But I found that really interesting because I think, especially for me coming to the offseason, I assumed that was a given that he was at least going to meet with them, right. and he didn't. And he had, the, he had you know, he was set up in his agent's office. It was dramatic television all week of, you know, taking meetings, and Vegas was kind of – angling for that meeting they got a phone call to try to get on the meeting list and didn't really make it so it's not like they didn't try they they threw their hat in the ring and you know it was kind of thrown back at them so listen he wasn't going to sign to me he was always going to sign in Toronto so even if you get a meeting like it's kind of just going through the motions but I think you at least want to be there I think it's it's some similar to college recruiting and that you want to be in the mix 
Like, you want to be considered by everybody. And the fact that they couldn't get on that list, it was a little bit of a concern. So, you know, we'll see. It's one guy, and you don't know. They had all kinds of cap room. Everybody thought this was going to be, you know, the big splash. And certainly they were focused on Carlson, which would have been, you know, a different uh, kind of a, a kind of an upgrade to the team. Uh, you know, they put a lot of eggs in that basket, and, and that hasn't happened yet either. So we'll find out if anything develops down the road. But um, certainly I thought, I think more than most people did, that it was a concern they couldn't really get a meeting uh, for for the John Tavares sweepstakes. But, you know, that's in the past. He is gone. He is in Toronto. He will not be on the market anytime soon. Uh, neither will Marc-Andre Fleury because he has signed an extension, and it was a very lucrative one, especially for a guy his age. But he is coming off a fantastic season, probably the best of his career at this advanced age. And, you know, he is certainly the face of the franchise, the guy everybody loves. So an odd extension, I thought, but it makes sense from the community standpoint. Yeah, very interesting. Three years, $21 million through 2021, 2022. I believe that puts him at tied for third this year in cap hits among NHL goaltenders. And speaking of face of the franchise, he actually had what I thought was a really interesting quote about that. Let's actually listen in right now. I remember talking to you at the Armory the day after the expansion draft and we mentioned that you were going to be the face of the franchise and you were kind of like not sure that you know that wasn't necessarily your role. Do you feel more comfortable in that role now because you are the most beloved player on a team that the city loves all the players out there and that and you truly have become the face of this franchise and everybody's ecstatic about you signing this extension? Um, I don't know. I just wish I had a prettier face, you know. <laughs> <laughs> That is that old Mark andre Fleury charm. Enough charm that gets you into a chocolate statue, apparently, in Las Vegas. I mean, that's why you want to keep this guy around, right? He is definitely the focal point of this team. He's the guy that everyone in town knows. And now he is being highly compensated for that. But as you mentioned, Adam, is this really something they needed to do? He was going to be a free agent after this year. But if I'm... After... Make sure you, I know you're saying it correctly, but I just want people to know. After next season. Right. After this coming season, he was going to be a free agent. And the extension starts after the season. Yes. Which is, that that's what makes it crazy. I know you're getting to it too. I think, to me, everything you said is correct. But you don't pay somebody, when you're a professional franchise, you don't pay somebody for those things. And I think it's admirable. I think it's great. But I think this could be a contract they end up regretting. I'll be very interested to see how this plays out because as you mentioned, I don't know that they needed to do this now. One, because you're negotiating against yourself, ostensibly. You're giving him a top-of-the-market deal, so you're not getting really a hometown discount here while negotiating against yourself. And if I'm the Golden Knights, I'm not really convinced that Marc-Andre Fleury is going anywhere. Right. He's only had two teams in his career, this one and the Pittsburgh Penguins. I have no reason to think that he's not going to opt for stability. I think he likes being here. I think there's no way that he goes to his agent next year if he were still a free agent after this season and goes, hey, let's get as much money as we can. (laughs) I want to go to whoever wants me. I think he's going to say, hey, work out a deal with Vegas, whatever they want to give me. As long as it's close, we'll take it. And and, and by by the way, even if that happened, even if what you said happened and he had another great season and he was like, find the most money you can possibly find me, nobody's giving him this contract. At that age, nobody. So this contract is way bigger than he would have got even if he tested the free agent market, which I don't think he would have done. So again, I'm all for players getting as much money as they possibly can. I'm totally for it. But from a franchise perspective, you're giving a goalie in his mid-30s who just had 
the season of his career, you're betting that he's going to do it again for four more years? Like, at some point in this contract, sorry to tell you, he's probably going to be the backup goalie at some point during this contract. Well, he should be at his age. You have Malcolm Subban, who I think has looked good in yeah. flashes. And I think no matter what, by the end of this contract, you at least need to be entering into a solid rotation where Subban or whoever you deem as the goalie of your future is getting 30, if not 40 games a season in yeah. net. And the other thing that's at least troublesome to me about this is Flurry missed a lot of time last year in that career year with concussions. And those are very scary things to me. I do not like to mess around with head injuries so it really concerns me if he takes a hard puck off the mask that he's going to be out for an extended period of time not the first year not the first time in his career either absolutely so next year the year after whenever that happens he is potentially one bad hit away from missing a lot of time or maybe even just calling it quits right and so that's what's really scary to me about this too yeah so an interesting contract uh to say the least for mark andre Fleury. hey we'll see we could be he could be he could have the same year he had last year for four more years. I doubt it. I don't think it's going to happen. It'd be extraordinarily rare at this at this point in his career uh, for a goalie to, to get even better. Uh, but listen, for what he did, for you know the way that he ingratiated himself to the community, people absolutely love him. He mentioned chocolate statues and weird dogs, like whatever else is you know he has you know he, he has produced and he has inspired in this community. I get it. I, I get that they want him around. They want him to be a part of all this, but it just seemed a very, very odd deal, especially when you have other guys that you're going to need to pay, certainly, uh, as it comes up. And, you know, we talked about William Carlson, and, you know, he, he goes to arbitration. He goes all the way uh, up to the moment and then agrees to a one-year, basically a contract to prove it for one more season. Is what you did real? And and they were going to find out in arbitration what the arbitrator said. It was probably going to be around the same amount and then uh, we would see again next year but you know Carlson gets that contract it's one season it's basically a hey can you do it again type of deal uh, from both perspective Carlson said hey I'm gonna bet on myself I'll take one year and then I'll do this what I do I'll do what I did last year again and then they'll pay me the big bucks and the Golden Knights say yeah if you do it we will give you the long-term contract essentially is what you're dealing with at this point so um, how how did you think uh, this played out for Carlson and for the team? Yeah, well, I kind of agree with what William Carlson said after it got done. Here's this quote from uh, Dave Shane's story in the Review Journal. I'm glad it's finally done. I think it's a good deal for both parties. Now I can prove myself again, I guess. So it's good for the team, and it's also good for me. So a one-year $5.25 million contract is actually a pretty fair compromise on a one-year deal for me if they're looking for him to prove it again. Uh, The Minnesota Wild just signed Jason Zucker, Las Vegas guy. Uh, to a $5.5 million a year contract after a 43-goal season. So he had 10 goals less than William Carlson and made a little bit more than him now on a long-term deal. So this made sense to me, and this is something where I think he has a chance to prove himself again. And if he has another year like he did, we're not talking about $5.25 million. We're talking probably closer to $7 million. Yeah. And so if he wants to make that extra money this year and bet on himself, hey, good for him. It's it's just weird that it's ex- almost the exact opposite of the Flurry situation, where Flurry steps up, has his great season, fans love him just like Carlson, and the team's like, yeah, you know, we're going to lock him up even if we don't have to. And Carlson has a great season, and they say, yeah, we're not quite sure. Like, let's see what you can do and if you can prove it again. So it, it is a very different situation. A younger player, a guy who, you know, well, Flurry has has had success in his career. This was to me his best overall season. 
even though they didn't quite win the title. And Carlson has by far his best season. Jumps up from a guy who really nobody even wanted to elite level goal scorer. Can you do it again? And that's, you know, he's he has to prove it again one more time and we'll see if he's able to do it. it it's the kind of deal where if he does do it again, the Golden Knights are probably going to regret not signing to a stent, to an extension this year where they could have probably got him for cheaper. Because if he has that next season, if he has another season like he did this year, he's going to be in that elite pay level range too. So um, it, it's a risk for both sides. I, I thought, uh, you know, a one-year deal is probably good for him. You know, he said in that quote, now I can prove myself again, I guess. Uh, I think that there's a little bit of uh, maybe a little bit of saltiness there of like, I guess I got to prove it that I can do it one more time, but he's got the opportunity to do so. So, you know, this is this is where a guy is act- is literally p- paying for a big payday. So probably good for the team, too, that he's going to be motivated to keep, keep having that same kind of season uh, where he's got to try to earn that big bucks next year. Yeah, we talked about at the beginning of the show. Can they keep these guys motivated and on edge? In the second season, well, William Carlson should definitely still be motivated because he's going to be working for that money. And I think even if he has a 30-goal season, that's still a wild success for the Golden Knights given where they got him in the expansion draft. It's going to cost him, but 30 goals is still a really productive player. As I said, Jason Zucker just got uh, $5.5 million a year after a breakout season that was 33 goals. So I think if he comes close to that, William Carlson is going to be a very rich man. Did you say wild success on purpose for Wild Bill? Maybe. Good job. See, that's why you're. A I got layers. Yeah, that's why. That's why you're professional. Uh, like an so onion. Uh, we talked about the guys that are staying around. A couple of guys are not staying around. James Neal, uh, David Perron, really uh, the biggest names on that list. Uh, not the biggest losses. Certainly not as big of losses as people think. And, and we'll get into that uh, for sure. But James Neal, uh, five years, twenty-eight point seven five million from the Flames. Uh, Perron, four years, sixteen million from the Blues. Uh, they are out of here. Um, James Neal was a guy, he was basically chosen in the expansion draft for as somebody they, they could trade midseason on the last year of his deal, probably pick up some more assets for the future, and then he ended up staying around because of the success that they had. Uh, so James Neal was never in the long-term plans. I know that people love him here, and I'm sure there's a lot of fans that are very sad that he's gone, but he was never part of the plans long-term. No, and the Golden Knights absolutely should not have given him the five-year $28.75 million the Calgary Flames did. He's 30 years old. He's a goal scorer, but he doesn't get back defensively as much as you would like. And I think I respect the idea of trying to upgrade that second line and balance it all around rather than just going with James Neal, who at this point in his career is pretty much a sniper for you. Yeah, for sure. And and Perron is a guy who... Had some success as well, especially during the regular season. But there was times in the postseason where you know they, he was a healthy scratch. I mean, they didn't even, they, they he wasn't really even part of the plans at times. So you know, David Perron is another guy who, part of everybody that was part of that inaugural season is going to have a special place in the fans' heart, no question. They're going to remember what these guys did. But as a, you know, just as a, on paper, how does it make the team different or better or worse? Like I don't think that it's a huge loss that David Perron leaves and goes to the Blues. No, I mean, he did have over 60 points, which every time I see that, I get shocked that he actually put up that much production in the regular season. But as you said, he didn't play in the playoffs that much. And so I actually really respect the thinking of general manager George McPhee here, because I think most general managers would say, oh yeah, he produced in the regular season, sign me up for another year of that, where McPhee, I think, is acknowledging here, 
hey, our goal is to advance in the postseason. Our goal is not just to make the postseason, have a fun regular season. We are going for the cup. And so if this guy is not, we think, going to help us win that cup, we're going to move on and try to find another way to do this. So they're out, Paul Stastny in, most likely that second line center uh, to jump into that line. Um, and, and it will change things for sure. But Paul Stastny really just – He's really just a productive guy. I mean, that's what that's what he is. He'll you'll plug him in. He'll produce for you. He'll be a solid player. Um, you know, he's not going to blow you away most likely, but he's a guy who's going to be very important for this team uh, to fill in on that second line. Now, where you you lost two guys, and now also uh, you know how probably, probably uh, stepping back as well. So, um, what what do, what do you think Paul Stastny brings to this team? I think consistency. He's had forty points every year at least 40 points, I should say, since 2013-14. And I think he brings you that solid two-way centerman that you can really depend on. As good as Eric Halla was, he had a phenomenal breakout season last year, he was minus 16 overall in plus minus. So he was not as great defensively as you want. And especially him and Neil, who was minus 11, were not the defensive pair you want on your second line. Halla was actually worse on the team in that metric. James Neal was tied for the second worst. So you have a guy who you think can help shut down opposing centers while also providing a good measure of offense. And like I kind of mentioned earlier, you're trying to balance that second line so that you don't have as many holes in your lineup, you think, as you did before. And, and you know, you mentioned the, the fact that they were poor defensively, but they did produce some on the offensive end. They were way too focused on the offensive end as a second line. No question about it. Uh, Georgian Fee told me that they were the worst defensive second line in the league. Now, I think that's very possible, especially when you look at the they're, they're all pretty much in minuses and they all produced on the offensive end. So uh, that tells you they were giving up a lot of goals on the other end. They were they were taking the taking the puck out and taking it to center ice quite a few uh, times when they were on the ice. So um, that's something that needed to improve, no question about it. So you plug Stasny in, you move some guys around. Uh, we'll see what they do on the second line, but certainly. Um, all the production from the first line last year was what a lot of people talked about and certainly jumps off the page to you what the first line did uh, throughout the season consistently. The second line did some good things, but they did some very bad things as well. So, so that change will probably be beneficial to them. Even if they're not quite as productive on the second line, it'll probably be a better team for it. Right. It won't be as flashy as guys like Neil and Halla scoring important goals, but they'll be more consistent. And I still think you have a guy like Alex Tuck who's young, who's going to keep developing. And I think he showed a lot of flashes of two-way play. He's a good physical young player. And I think he'll really help out Paul Statsy on that wing. And I'm curious if they plug in Tomas Tatar on the other wing. He's been a productive player in the past, but he had, I believe, a shoulder injury going to camp last year with Detroit, got traded to the Golden Knights midseason, didn't really seem to fit in or find the rotation. And so now I'm curious if he slides into an important role like that on the second line in a kind of full first season with the team I know there's a lot of talk about that at the end of last year that that would be a guy who would really surprise people coming into this year where he came here had had trouble as you said finding his role finding his niche on the team he'll probably be counted on to be you know to be quite a bit more productive this year and in a much more prominent role so uh, that is a guy I think that really could fill that spot and, and could really people will be looking and say wait that was the same guy that was here last year like yeah he's He's a guy. Remember in the playoffs, you know, you, he's sitting out. He's he's a healthy scratch. You throw him in there, and he's scoring goals. Like that's that's what he does. He can be productive when he knows his role and and understands what he's supposed to do. And I think if he has that more prominent role, uh, he will be productive for it. And then you, know, you move guys around. I, I think you know you you stick with Eakin as a center down on the third line. He's because he's he's been very productive 
uh, especially on faceoffs. That's been uh, a very good thing for him. And um, Howla, who was kind of playing some center, I think you maybe move him to wing a little bit and maybe move him down to the third line. Uh, we'll see how things shake up, but that'll be a big story in training camp of what they do after that first line. You got Stastny at center at the second line, and then who plugs in there, I think, as you said, Tatar, and uh, potentially even um, <laughs> Tatar, potentially Tuck, as you mentioned, uh, sliding up. I'm a mess over here talking with my hands and knocking my computer out of the way. So that, was that might have been the sound that you heard. Things happen. Hey, it's live. We're live, kind of. So uh, that's, that's how we do things around here. Uh, so th those are the big changes. Uh, the second line will be very different. Even the third line might look different. But uh, a lot of things going on uh, with moving parts on those uh, forward lines here uh, as we get set for training camp coming up in just a couple of weeks. So some things still ha still to happen before before we have games, before we have the rookie camp and the, the rookie tournament and everything else. Uh, what are we still watching? I know there's still the Shea Theodore situation out there. There's still potentially an Eric Carlson trade. So things could still happen here in the next couple of weeks. Yeah, Shea Theodore still isn't signed for next year, technically. I mean, I assume they'll work something out sometime soon. He is not actually eligible for arbitration, so it's really just the Golden Knights will offer something. He'll probably try to negotiate a little bit, but eventually accept. I have no doubt that he will, of course, be on this team this year. I, I, I do. So we wrote the story, the, uh, you know, a couple weeks ago. I, you know, I wrote if he doesn't, um, if he doesn't accept a contract, if he doesn't sign by December first, he just can't play in the NHL. And I know people freaked out. Like, wait, what? He's not going to be on the team. As you said, he's going to he's going to sign. That's just the rules. If he doesn't, it's basically sign with the Golden Knights or go or get traded, or you're not playing. I mean that that's what that's what he's dealing with. So he's going to sign at some point. Yeah, he has no leverage at this it's, point. It's not like he's at, at this stage of his career when he's just coming into. I think he's going to be a star. I, I love what he can do, especially. Uh, you know, transitioning to the offensive side of things. He has made some mistakes defensively, but he's young. He's learning. Uh, he can do so many things. I think he's going to be a star. You're not going to give up this season and just not play because he, he wants to hold out for more money. He's going to get a contract. He's going to sign. He's going to he's going to play this season for the Golden Knights. I, you said you're sure. I'll put it at 99.8%. Right. I mean, this guy, he's always been a highly rated prospect. As you said, he was very productive for them last year. So, of course, they want him back. There's some moments that he would like to take back, I think, especially in the Stanley Cup final where he and really their entire defense corps struggled to contain the Washington Capitals. But there's so much promise there, so much potential for a true two-way defenseman that, of course, you don't let a guy like that sit out. You want him on your team. Of course. Uh, no question about it. And, you know, we're still monitoring the, the trade situation. I, I can't imagine Carlson is still on Ottawa uh, at the end of this season, but they might take him into the season and, and wait for the trade deadline to try to move him. I, I, I just, I still don't know what's going on. We've seen so many reports that it's a done deal to Tampa. It's a done deal somewhere else. We know Vegas has been in the mix. We'll see what they do. Maybe, maybe with the issues working out Shea Theodore's contract, maybe that's part of it. Maybe, you know, maybe they, they, they make him part of a deal. I, I don't know, but it's still out there, and he is still a. We talked about Tavares being a big fish. Carlson is a huge fish, and he's still out there. Right. He's the fish that no one's landed yet. And as you said, I would also put it 99.8%. He is not on Ottawa at the end of the season. And honestly, I think if you're George McPhee, like you said, right now you have a playoff-ready roster. I don't think you need Eric Carlson on this team right now to ensure you make the playoffs. I think you need Eric Carlson if you want to win the Cup. Right. But why not wait until the deadline? Then you're right. You're right. You can I'm give up less at the deadline, pres presumably, to that's get him. And that's 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 the point. I mean, you're you're saying the same thing I am that 
you know, you can go into the season right now. You're not gonna you're not gonna you know be 15 points out of a playoff spot at the trading deadline, and you know thinking, hey, we're not uh, we have no reason to try to go get them. You you, pl- you let it play out, go see for a while, and then you know we'll see where the market falls for him, and maybe he is you know maybe he's a guy that you can still go get, but. Uh, there's no need to force things. If if you think the the asking price is too high, you don't have to do it now. You have time to go make it happen. Unless somebody beats you to it, that's the only fear that if you let it go too long, uh, somebody else jumps in and, and takes them. So uh, we'll keep monitoring that. And uh, getting set for rookie camp. Coming up September 6th, we'll have the rookies in town. And then a week later, uh, the veterans report. Should be a fun season, though. It's almost go time. It is almost go time. R- rookie camp will be fun, and then the tournament I think will be very good for people to get out there and, and check it out and see some of the young players that aren't quite ready to play in Vegas yet for the most part, but will probably be here very soon. So people want to get out and uh, check those guys out at City National. And then training camp, September 13th, first on-ice practice, the 14th, and we'll have everything you need right here. It'll be fun. You're Absolutely. Gonna go, you're going to go play uh, ice hockey after we – Discussed it early on. You're gonna go try to find a retro game. I might. I might actually. Not, don't lie. You're not gonna do that. <laughs> I it's will completely forget about it. Yeah, you will. That's fine. Uh, but you know, make sure you keep it here with us uh, all year. Uh, Reviewjournal.com for all of your Golden Knights coverage. The Golden Edge video podcast. Everything you need. Uh, we will be here with you, filling in all the blanks between the stories and all the. You know, we can flesh flesh some of these stories out even further and uh, let you know the information in the background behind some of the stories you find on the review journal have players for you dave shane will be here with us at granny i'm sure will pop in the columnist for review journal who covers the golden knights and many other special guests along the way so uh anything you need to know about the golden knights you will find out here on the golden edge podcast thank you guys so much for getting through this with us we will be with you every week at least to let you know uh what is going on in the world of the golden knights for Ben Goats, Adam Hill, Larry Meir, great job behind the scenes setting us all up and uh, getting us coasters for our coffee. That was very important. Good, good Huge. job by him setting Huge. the levels and everything else. Thank you, guys. We'll talk to you again very soon. Sugar Ray Leonard, Roberto Duran, Marvelous Marvin Hagler, and Thomas Hearns. Legends, whose four-way rivalry defined one of the greatest eras in boxing history. Relive their decade of dominance in the new Showtime sports documentary, The Kings, a four-part series premiering Sunday, June 6th, only on Showtime.